This is class five, CD three of five. Page 103, market counters, money go round. Understand, I've been studying the stock market since 1984, literally every single day since 1984. And in that process, I've learned to step back and see the ebb and flow, the ups and downs of the market, and that they happen at almost the same place, almost the same time, all the time. I've written it down into a calendar format. We'll go through it pretty quickly right here. It's pretty self-explanatory. There's a few things I will point out that students have gotten wrong in the past so that you new folks don't get wrong in the future. January, February, earnings season. Excellent time of year to make money in the stock market. A monkey can throw darts at the market and make money. Do not confuse this with talent or ability. Now, that, that, that part right there, okay, that, everything I've just said to that point, does anything right there say up? No. Nothing right there says up. It says excellent time of the year to make money in the market. Nothing there says up. Now, it says expect profit-taking in both mid-January and February. Does profit-taking mean going down? No. No. There are people that make money in the stock market when it falls. So profit-taking would cause the market to rise. Profit-taking is the opposite of whatever it's been doing immediately in front of that. If the market has been declining, then profit-taking would cause a rising market. If the market has been going up, then profit-taking would mean coming down. It doesn't say coming down. It says profit-taking. It says, look for heavier profit-taking at mid-February through the end of the month. Amazing to me how people read things in. And, and really, they're coming from the perspective of most of you that are new, and even those of you that are um, relatively new, having gone through the class once before, most of you are still operating from the way to make money in the stock market is when it rises instead of when it moves. You make money going up and down, and profit-taking is the opposite of the previous move. March, warning season. Look for a small pop after a sell-off at the end of February, early in the month. Generally, a tough, tired stock market. Basically, what I want to point out here, the first of the months, you would expect to pop up almost all the months in the year. Okay? It won't be true on all of them, but the first of the month, there's always an area of uh, rise in the market typically present. You should be looking for those. Look for call entry points between the 15th and the end of the month, especially the last few days. April, earnings season, generally a good month. The first through the 10th, we look for a rising market. Now, that doesn't mean rising the entire time from the 1st to the 10th. It means sometime during that period of time, we're looking for a rising market. It amazes me again how many people, oh, it's supposed to go up for 10 days. No, no. It's supposed to go up during this 10 days sometime in there, okay? 
It might start on the first and end on the seventh. It might start on the fifth and go to the tenth. During these ten days is when we're looking for a rising market. Okay? Tenth through the twentieth, expect a sell-off. It's tax time. Okay? That doesn't mean crash. It doesn't even mean large. It just means people sell their vault stuff to pay taxes. I understand. Okay? 20th until the end of the month is okay with most stocks stable to up. Most stocks stable. Does that mean going up? No. Most stocks stable to up. So you're going to see more stocks than not going nowhere with some stocks rising. Do you understand? That's typically what you see there. May, earnings season, it's a 50-50 month. The first through the 15th, stocks trend up as we finish up earnings. From the 15th to the end of the month, we expect heavy profit taking. So if we've been trending up, heavy profit taking will mean declining. Everybody understand? June. Page 104. Morning season. Tough, tired, acting market. You look for call buying opportunities using the chart sometime between the 7th and the 22nd. The summer months can be very choppy or just plain dead. Prepare yourself for either one. The summer months almost always have very low volume. Almost always have very low volume. Watch for call buying entry points the last two or three days of the month. Now think about it. Please be aware, be prepared to hear Bob Pisani coming out on CNBC and screaming, there's no volume, 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 there's no volume. At least five times a day, every single day, from the middle of May into late August or early September. That's what he does, okay? He does it in such a way that you as new students typically go, oh, this must be strange. It isn't. It's there every year. Same time, same station, there is no volume, you know? And he acts like it's never happened before. When the reality is, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. So you have to be aware and not be concerned when he's screaming there is no volume. You know, one of these days we're going to do like an email thing to him, just bombard him and go, ain't supposed to be. You know, I mean, really, folks, there's not supposed to be. You shouldn't be concerned about it. Now, it says, watch for call buying entry points the last two or three days of the month because we would typically expect to see a pop the first of any month in that area, okay? Doesn't mean we're going to be buying in for the long term, but the first of most months are positive. A day, half a day, two days, I mean, some little period of time, we expect a pop in there because of that. July, earnings season can be good, but look for profit taking mid-month. Another summer month, generally a choppy time in the markets. Use the profit taking in mid-month to look for entry points on the charts, especially on stocks with August earnings or splits. We're always playing toward what? 
toward an upcoming event. We want to play toward an upcoming event. August, earnings season. Earnings ends quickly. Usually a choppy market with a negative bias. Look for heavy profit taking, even a considered a sell-off the last 10 days of the month. Now, that doesn't mean crash, but it does, we expect heavier selling. It does say selling here, market sliding down, expecting that, okay? Now, it says watch the charts for buying entry points during the last few days for the post-Labor Day bounce. Listen, there's an old adage on Wall Street that is terribly true. We talk about it a lot in this course. The trend is your friend. The trend is your friend. That's why I always want to know, what's the trend chart doing? Everything we start starts with the trend chart. What's the trend chart doing? But understand, there's also a trend in the stock market. Big money. I mean, huge money. The net worth of all of us combined, one of those people, the net worth of all of us combined, those are traders on Wall Street, on the floor, all the time, okay? They go on vacation the three weeks going into Labor Day. They take their money with them. The market doesn't close, but they go on vacation. They leave the janitors in charge. Janitors are typically in charge of toilets, and that's pretty much what the market acts like. It's in the toilet. You should follow the trend and go on vacation the first two weeks with them. You don't have to go physically with them, but you need to go on vacation, okay? But you want to come back a week ahead of them. Because, see, when they come back, they're going to bring back their money. And they're going to put the money back in the market. Your objective is to be ahead of them by a week and look at some of that stuff floating around in the bowl going, that ain't really supposed to be there. Put on some gloves and dip some of that out of there, okay? I'm talking about the stuff that's not supposed to be there, okay? And understand, when they come back, they're going to put their money into those things as well, okay? And it will cause a pop in the market. Doesn't mean the market's going to take off and go up. It just means, just like if you were to deposit a million dollars into your bank account tomorrow, your bank account would rise. Do you understand? I mean, duh. Yes? You know, there would be a pop. It wouldn't happen the next day. Do you understand? It would have already popped. It was a single-day phenomenon. Do you understand? Yes? Okay. Now, September, warning season. Sometime during the first 10 days, look for an upward pop in the market followed by a hard sell-off. Sometime. It's... Sometime right after Labor Day, pop goes the market, okay? It is usually intraday move. Sometimes an all-day move. Extremely rarely is it something that lasts more than a day. And students miss it all the time. They miss it all the time because they got this idea that it's supposed to last for days. I have a student, um, he's from 
Well, he lives in West Virginia. He's not really from there, but he lives in West Virginia, uh, Panhandle area. And retired guy, and he, he emailed me and it's a couple years ago, and he said, you know, uh, it's, right, it's right in August, September, and he said, I'm, is, is there not going to be a pop after Labor Day? I'm looking for the pop. I said, George, I said, does your Q charts working? He said, yeah. I said, well, what did the stock market do yesterday after lunch? He said, well, after lunch, the, the Dow went up 169 points after lunch. I said, pop! <laughs> What's next here in September? I said, September usually stinks after the 10th. Hmm. Sometimes in the first 10 days, we look for an upward pop in the market, followed by a what? Hard sell-off. September usually stinks after the 10th. I said, George, what's the Dow doing today? He said, it's down 204 points. I said, hard sell-off. He said, crap, I have missed it again. I said, yes. <laughs> He's looking for something that lasts for days, and it was something that lasts today, intraday. It might last a whole day. It could be just an afternoon, but tomorrow it isn't going to be there. They just deposited the money. <laughs> Do you understand? If you're working eight to five, you're probably not going to be able to play that pop. You should be able to see that pop. Do you understand? When you come home, oh, look at that white candle. Don't get excited about your white candle. It's probably going to be a red candle the next day. But that's just a pop that takes place. If we are in a week early on that, that little pop, we might be able to get some profit on. Do you understand? But you're not likely to be able to, it's not going to be an in today and moving for days phenomenon here. It just doesn't really usually happen like that. Okay? Now, think how prophetic that statement is. September usually stinks after the 10th in 2001. The bottom line there, look for buying opportunities on the charts the last few days of the month. There are people in this room tonight that took the class and were already trading real money September 10th, 2001. They should be phenomenally wealthy today. They're not. That line was still there. You that get Q charts, get your Q charts and scroll them back to just about any stock you want to see the last few days of September 2001. If you had purchased there, you would be wealthy. You would have been awfully close to fully funded in widows and orphans by January. But people did not do that because they were afraid. You have to learn when everybody is afraid, it is a place to be bold. And when everybody has no fear, it is time for you to leave. You have to learn. You have to learn. My thought process is pretty simple. God has always provided for me. What are you afraid of? If now is the time to hit enter, enter. What are you afraid of? Nothing to be afraid of. What if I lose all, the, all my money? 
God will provide for you in a different way. He has for me all of my life. Okay. I have total faith in that. So I hit enter. When it's time to hit enter, I hit enter. I just don't hit enter willy-nilly all over the place. That's gambling. Working at this. Learning to work at this. And no, I'm supposed to hit enter right here. You hit enter right here. Well, what if it goes away? That's perfectly okay. Because God will provide from another source. You've got to learn to have enough faith to hit enter. You've got to do enough work to have enough faith to hit enter right there, folks. Action conquers fear. Faith conquers fear. You get faith from God automatically by accepting it. But you also get faith in the market by doing the work. So that you know, this is the time. Hit enter right there. So many students didn't hit enter. They could have made a fortune by January. Literally, funding their retirement choice. You have to learn. You have to learn. Do the work so that you're prepared. Do the work so that you're prepared. Page 105, October, earnings season. It's a scary time in the market. Most major crashes have happened in October. Mutuals, that's mutual funds, must sell their losers by the 30th for tax purposes, causing a lot of downward pressure on the market. Play with caution, taking profits quickly. Look for entry points on the charts during the last three or four days of the month. The last few days to a week are generally a great place to purchase vault stocks. Watch the daily and weekly Christmas cross for this purchase decision. Now, listen, folks. I make my vault purchases in September, okay? Historically in September, occasionally in August, rarely but occasionally in July, almost never in October, even though it tells you to do it in October. Why? Because understand, typically September is the worst month of the year in the stock market. So if I can buy out of the lows that are established in September, then it is going to go higher. Everybody understand? In all likelihood? Everybody understand that? Okay. When am I selling vault stocks? Never. What if it crashes in October after I bought it in September? It doesn't matter. I'm not selling it. You understand? Why does it tell you new students to wait until the 25th of October? Because you're not committed to that decision yet. If you bought in September and it crashed in October, most of you would vomit your stocks right back up. I will not do that. Eventually, you will not do that. Once you are committed, I'm going to buy this and hold it forever, then you'll buy sometime in September, whenever the charts tell you to. The reason this tells you to wait until the 25th is because historically, there haven't been that many crashes after October before January. So you can buy at the end of October, be higher in January, and feel good about yourself. That's why it's there. But after a little bit of experience and looking at these things, you'll be going, well, you know, a smarter choice would have been to buy this in September. Yes, it would. Once you're committed, I'm going to buy it when it's a smart choice, and I don't care what the market does in October. Then you buy it when it's the smartest choice. Until then, your smartest choice will be somewhere around the 25th of October. Okay? Now, November, earnings season. If there is no October crash and the markets, if there's no October crash, the markets will fly sometime during those first two or three weeks of November. 
Sometimes fly means rise, okay? If there is no October crash, you're looking for a rising market sometime during those first two or three weeks of November. Now, it doesn't say for two or three weeks. It says sometime during those two or three weeks. Look for heavy profit taking from Turkey Day through the end of the month. December, warning season. Expect heavy profit taking continuing from November until sometime between the 5th and the 8th. You look for buying opportunities on the charts around the 5th to the 8th. That doesn't mean for a long move. It just means a reverse of that quite quickly. Can be a good month. If it's a good month, it's known as the Santa Claus effect. Santa Claus effect. I mean, think about it. Everybody's happy, happy, joy, joy. You know, it doesn't make no difference. You know, what, what gasoline costs, we're still going to Grandma's house. You know, it doesn't make any difference what airline tickets cost. We're still going to visit somebody. You know, it doesn't make any difference. We are burning up the credit cards. You know, Walmart loves us. Everybody loves us. Everybody's happy, 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 happy. You know, we all are clinically depressed in the middle of January when all those bills come in. But in December, we're all happy about it. You know, everybody's happy. Market rises. Market rises. That doesn't happen all the time. But when the market does rise in December, it's known as the Santa Claus effect, okay? Now, it's, it is still a warnings month, so you can have big swings in the market. You, it, it can be. You've got to be aware of that, okay? So be aware that it's going to be choppy, and it may be big swings. It is warning season. Okay. Look for major buying opportunities on the charts between the 15th and the 22nd. Now, here's the thing, too. Major buying opportunities. Buying opportunities would be for playing what comes next. Do you understand? Buying opportunities. Does that mean making money on going up in the market? Does buying opportunities mean making money going up in the market? Now, if the market's going down, buying opportunities would be buying what? Puts. Do you understand? Buying opportunities. Too many students say, buying opportunities, got to buy stock, got to buy calls, market's going to rise. It does not say that. Post-Christmas, look for major buying opportunities on the charts between the 15th and the 22nd. Market suffers Christmas hangover from the 22nd to the end of the month. So look for entry points during the last two or three days of the month. Now, for what? The pop that might take place in January. Understand. Big understanding nugget here. All of these ups and downs. This is the history of what takes place in the marketplace. Do we trade the history? No, we trade the what? Evidence. evidence. We trade the evidence. When the current charts match our history, we trade bold there. When the current charts don't match our history, we either don't trade or we trade with supreme caution the evidence. We always trade the evidence. When the evidence matches our history, we're bold there. But when the evidence doesn't match our history, 
We either don't trade it all or we trade the evidence with supreme caution. And I won't embarrass the veteran students in this room, but there are a lot of them that bought calls on the last day of December without any evidence showing that the market was going up. Zero evidence. Weren't taught to do that. Weren't taught to do that. We trade the evidence. When the evidence matches our history, when the evidence matches our earnings research, we trade bold there. When it doesn't, we either don't trade or we trade the evidence with supreme caution. You got to understand, it's not just a chart thing. Just not a chart thing. It's a chart, it's a history, it's an event awareness, bringing the whole picture together, trading well. Page 106. Do big picture to little picture here right quick. It's very simple. Every trade you do, you got to do this. Every single trade. This is how you view the market. Market calendar. That's market history. Trading zone awareness. How does it act in the trading zone? Weekly charts. That is your stock charts for determining the trend. Begins there. Daily futures chart. That is the trend of the futures. Market affecting news. What am I talking about there? I'm talking about news that affects the market for some time. Okay? Uh, the possible war in Iraq affected the news for months. The actual war in Iraq affected the news from, uh, affected the market for months. Okay? That is market affecting news. We're not talking about a news item today that causes the market to go down or an A news item today that causes the market to go up that a day or two from now it's forgotten about. We're talking about market affecting news that continues that push. Okay? One way or the other. Doesn't make any difference. Upcoming events. Upcoming events could be stock splits, earnings, could be uh, an economic report. If we're playing, a, if we're playing like a, a retail stock, We'd have to know when the retail sales report's coming out. Our research on that retail stock would have to tell us, hey, going into the retail report, this is what happens. Coming out of that retail report, this is what happens. That's an event awareness that is going to affect our positions. Okay. Daily charts, stock charts, it's going to either be a trend or a decision chart. We've got to know that. Other decision charts, if we're looking at something smaller than that. Intraday market history. All of you that are doing the work, page 19, 20, and 21 in your class number one manual, tells you that you should print off the five-minute charts and study them every day on the stocks that you're trying to become intimate with. That is true. But you should also print off the Dow, NASDAQ, um, and probably the OEX five-minute chart so that you become intimate with the market and how the market does internally every day. You start to learn how the mark, think about this, I've got a student, um, very successful young man, 26 years old, very successful student, and he used to, he'd get in a trade and he'd get out of the trade at lunchtime. Market would be going up, he'd be in the trade, everything was fine. At lunchtime, 
the market would go to lunch. Literally, the vast number of traders would be at lunch, and the market would sag. They were at lunch. He'd get out of the trade. It was backing up, ah, got to get out of the trade. He'd come back from lunch, they'd come back from lunch, and the trade would keep on going up. It'd be going up for days, and he was out of his trade, and, and finally, he, he, you know, he said, come to class, he said, uh -uh, something's not right. He said, I'm getting in like I'm supposed to. Everything is perfect. Everything is lovely. At lunchtime, you know, I'm getting out of the trade. He's backing up. I said, why? I said, market's got to eat, too. They go to eat and backs up. You shouldn't be out of that trade. Oh, he wasn't aware of the, what the market did internally during the day. By studying the five-minute charts of the Dow, NASDAQ, and OEX, you get a very good idea of how the market acts during the day, day after day after day after day after day. When's it go to lunch? When's it come back from lunch? How, how and when's it get up in the morning? How does that going into specific economic events? How does it act going into the first of the month, middle of the month, end of the month, Christmas, summertime, different trading zones? You got to be intimate with the marketplace. I know the lady that works for us, um, and she's also a student, and she benefits a lot uh, from, from being a student and working for us. I mean, we're going to have her sign a contract that she can never retire or, or fire her. I think that's what we're going to do. Yeah. But, I mean, all the time, we'll, we'll be going to lunch, and, I, and I'll go, okay, when we get back from lunch, the market's going to be at this price. And we'll go to lunch and come back, and she said, you're like 30 cents off. So, yeah. Said, so, and that's fixing to look like this. Today, I mean, I called the drop today almost to the minute. You know, I said, this thing is fixing to plummet. You know, and I walked out, walked in. She said, look. I said, yeah, that's about what I figured. You know, she, just tell me I'm going to be able to do that. All depends on how much work and study you put in. That's all it is, is work and study. Day after day after day after, and it's boring. It is boring, but it pays well. Okay? Action chart. Action chart. Trend, decision, action. Big picture to little picture. Most students, and please understand, if you work eight to five, you don't use an action chart. We'll talk about what you guys do before the class is over with. You don't use an action chart if you can't see the market during the day. But every single trade is big picture to little picture, thought process. What students typically do is do it one time. Big picture, little picture. And then they get focused on that little bitty charts. Vibrating. Not the big charts. Not the big picture. And they make little bitty chart reactions that they're out of a trade that they shouldn't be out of because it vibrated on a little chart. If you're doing two trades today, both trades are done this way, big picture, little picture. It isn't something you do one time. It's something you do on every single trade. That's the way you become successful at this, if you do it on every single trade. Now. On the back of the previous page in your notebook here, if you want to write this down, this is a good spot for it. Um, I'm going to tell you how to insure your vault. It's real simple to me, and 
you just have to write it out there. It's not that big a deal. First of all, should be at the top of that page. It's a lot like the insurance play. Okay, that's what it should be. It's a lot like your insurance play. All right, now, the reality of this is there are certain times of the year that we just expect the market to be down. Normal. It's normal. Nothing, nothing surprising about that. Um, typically, the market has some kind of a spring high level, not, not a new high for the year, but a, a higher level reached sometime in the spring. And then the market almost always is lower in August or September than whatever that spring high level is. Well, so sometime in the spring, we're going to insure our vault against that decline. Now, I'll give you just a hypothetical example of this and, and with real numbers for you to write down, or not with, with numbers for you to write down so that you'll understand this, okay? What we're going to do is when we know the market is going to go down, we're basically going to buy puts on our vault stocks. That's what we're going to, I mean, a basic thing, that's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to assume that you have 1,000 shares of GE, and we're going to say that GE is $40.25 a share, okay? Just throwing out a number, and it's not there, just so you understand, you know. But we're just going to give it that price. Now, you got a thousand shares, and we're going to say it's February. Since we're right here, we'll call it February. We expect GE to be dramatically lower in the summertime. It's not going to be this low, but we're going to say it's going to. We we would expect it to fall to twenty bucks. It won't fall that far, but we expect it to fall. Hypothetical example to 20 bucks. Do we want to sell our GE stock? No. No. We're going to keep it for how long? Forever. Okay. So, what you're going to do is you're going to buy the January, and we're saying this is, January, this is February this year. Okay. So, make sure it's, you know, February 2005. You're going to purchase. The January 2006 $40 puts. January 2006 $40 puts. Doesn't make any difference what price they are. Now, you want to make sure that you buy, in this case, 12 contracts. You're purchasing 12 contracts. Even though you only own 1,000 shares, you're purchasing 12 contracts. You always want to make sure you're purchasing about 20% more than you actually own. You're purchasing 20% more coverage than you actually own. Now, just for simple math purposes, we're going to say that GE does fall from $40 to... 25 bucks. We thought it was going to go to 20, but it only goes to $25. Okay. How much have those puts increased in value? $15. Thereabouts. Everybody understand? Okay. How much has the stock lost in value? 
Fifteen dollars. Everybody understand? Everybody understand? Okay. How much has your vault lost in value? Zero. Do you understand? Because the puts have gained fifteen dollars, and the stock itself lost fifteen dollars. Everybody understand? Okay. Now, the reason we purchased the extra twenty percent of coverage is because there will be some time decay. But our option doesn't expire till January. We're saying it's $15 at the end of August or September. Doesn't expire until January. And the time decay is what? Rear end loaded. So we're not seeing massive amounts of time decay. The put has gone up in value. We own 20% more coverage than we actually owned. We might actually have gained some value here, okay, in all, uh, overall, but we certainly haven't lost any. Everybody follow me there? Okay. So it's the end of August or September. We look on the weekly charts and notice that the weekly charts for GE are near the bottom of their scales, okay, near the bottom of the Bollinger Bands, not necessarily on the bottom of Bollinger Bands, but it looks like this thing is bottoming out on the weekly charts. Everybody understand? We close the puts. We sell the puts. Okay? We got the profit. Everybody understand? Guess what we're going to do with the profit? Buy more GE. Do you understand? Your vault is always going to be flat or rising. Always. The young man I was talking about, I know I embarrassed him the other night uh, in the RTP class uh, in Rocky Mount, but I, I didn't call him by name, but I mean, he knew I was talking about him. Um, I would turn over every dime I have to him to trade. Just tell him how much money I need to write out every single month. You know, out of that, I'd turn over every dime. Took this class when he was 19 years old, something like that, and, and did it, did it exactly as instructed. When I said, you need to go buy a book, he never, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a broke college student, I can't, I can't afford a book. He just went and got the book. Didn't make any difference what he had to do to have the book. He went and got the book, you know? Didn't make any difference what he had to do. He got the book. I said, you need to have cue charts, okay? He did everything he had to do to have cue charts. No questions asked. He had to have cue charts. That's what you got to do. You got to have cue charts, yeah? He's 26 years old. They have no debt. When he got married, he wrote a check for his house, yeah? They drive cars that he wrote a check for. 26 years old. And it's not just his success why I would turn over my money to him to trade. You see, while he had learned to do this, his mother wanted to do this. Not take the class, wanted to do the market. And she went to him and said, teach me to do this. He said, I will not. I signed a non-compete, non-disclosure agreement that I will not violate. I will not tell you how to do this. Go take the class. She lived at the time in southern Georgia. I'd have never known. But he has more honor in his little finger than some of you have in your whole body. He wouldn't violate the non-compete, non-disclosure agreement. And I'd have never known. 
His mother took the class, Columbia, South Carolina, retook here in Rocky Mount. At the time I was doing after-hours sessions, we went after-hours, and she was in tears a little bit. And she said, I'm in southern Georgia, and there's nobody there doing this. Who would I ask questions of? I said, good golly, you got the best person in the world to ask. Your son is the best person in the world to ask questions. She said, he won't help me do this. I said, why do you say that? She said, well, I wanted to know how to do this before I ever took the class, and he refused to help me. I said, that's because you raised an honorable young man, and you ought to be stoked because he would not help you. Now that you've taken the class, go ask him. I promise you, you have all the help you'll want. And he does. Now, he looked at those charts in December this year, weekly charts. You always ensure looking at the weekly and daily charts. You always ensure looking at the weekly and daily charts. He looked at the weekly and daily charts of the overall market and of his individual stocks that his mama has in the vault. And he called his mama and said, Mama, we need to insure your vault. The market is about to go down. And she said, well, I looked in here and it says there should be a pop. He said, Mama, look at the weekly and daily charts on the market. Look at the weekly and daily charts on your vault stocks. The market is fixing to go down, Mama. Look at the daily futures charts, Mama. Market's fixing to go down. So they insured her vault. You can go look at the charts yourself, folks. From the end of December to mid-January, the market did nothing but fall. And all of her stuff was insured against loss because he doesn't have his head stuck in the sand. He does what you're supposed to like you're supposed to. When the weekly and daily charts are set up to go down, you insure. Even if it is against the market calendar, okay? But you always will insure when it is with the market calendar too. Weekly daily charts are gonna go down, you insure. If you're wrong and the stock goes up, do you understand that's okay? Because the stock is gaining value, you're fine, do you understand? But if you're right, everybody else will be gnashing their teeth as the world is coming to an end and they're losing money. And please understand, when you're fully insured in your vault, you have to learn to shut up around town. Because when the whole world is going down, you're going, go, baby, go. I hope it goes out of business. You could die there. You have to just zip it. You could get hurt there. You always insure 20% more, and you always make sure that your purchase is well beyond the time you're expecting to close the trade so that the time decay in the option is rear-end loaded. You want at least three months beyond where you expect the, the, to close the trade. That's the minimum, okay? That's the minimum. You want at least three months 
of that's the that's the that's the minimum amount of time beyond where you expect to close the trade that you purchase your insurance, and your your vault is always insured or rising. Now, I usually get news to go, hey, wait a minute. What if you had WorldCom? You throw a party. What if you had Enron? You throw a party. Because understand, the weekly and daily charts for those companies were going down a long time before they were bankrupt. You should have been insured. Do you understand? Now, let's just, I don't even, I, I never traded Enron. We'll just use a hypothetical number. Let's say Enron was 100 bucks. Had been in 105 and going down. And you realize, hey, weekly and daily charts are going down in this thing. I need to insure. Everybody understand? So at $100, you got, you got, a, you got a thousand shares at 100 bucks. Okay? And you go, I need to insure. So you buy Again, the January 06, if it was still in business, the January 06, $100 puts, and you buy 12 contracts instead of 10 contracts. Everybody understand? And Enron falls to a dollar by the summertime. What you going to do? You're going to you, you understand, when you own the put, you have the right, truly, Call the broker up and go, I have the $100 puts on Enron. When you own a put, you own the right to sell stock at a specific price. So with the $100 put, you literally have the right to call your broker and go, I own the $100 puts on Enron. Enron's at a dollar. I'd like to exercise my puts. Sell the stock at 100 bucks a share. You actually have the right to do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I'd sell the puts. Keep the stock. I've made $99 a share. Everybody understand? I take the $99, and by that time, you got to know, I don't think Enron's ever coming back, Jack! But I take the $99 and buy GE. You understand? But I'm going to keep the 1,000 shares of Enron. What? In case it's actually a lottery ticket. If it goes away, it's now $1,000. If it goes to 10, it's a huge gain. Do you understand? But insured, it doesn't bother you. Folks, this is so easy to do. My vault has had one big loss. When was that? 9-11. If you went back and looked at the daily weekly charts, I just closed insurance and just purchased vault stocks. 9-11. Did I sell? No. I was buying for how long? Forever. Didn't bother. I mean, did, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sell. If I sell the terrorist wind, you understand? It's the only big hit I've ever had. Everything was in condition to go up. You, you have to close insurance and buy vault stocks. I just loaded up. Everything took a 20% hit. 
Everything was back where it was supposed to be by January. In January, when it turned over, everything was insured as it fell right on back down. It's easy to do. You've got to step away from the emotions to do it, but it's easy to do. It's easy to do. Your vault is always rising or insured, period. Period. And there will be, uh, hopefully, never a time, though the possibility does exist, okay, hopefully there will never be another time when everything is ready to go up and you pile in and some foreign entity um, rears its ugly head again. You know? um, but regardless, I'm not selling. I'm not selling. I bought the vault. I, my kids already understand. If they sell my GE, I will haunt them. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that's what you do. That's what you do. Now, page 107. Before we get to page 107, I go ahead and answer a question. There used to be a comment sheet in the, in the, in the manual. There's not a comment sheet in the manual anymore. Um, you have uh, the web TV address to use to, to get on uh, the success email list if you want to. And if you want to send in a comment, that's fine. You can email one there. Uh, I've heard all of the complaints before. There are no original ones anymore. And I'm not changing anything, so it doesn't matter. Um, and if you want to compliment me, I appreciate that, too. But uh, we're just not going to do it on a sheet anymore. But um, at this time, I will answer a question for you that um, all new people have at, at this point in time. And it, it's even understandable. But the answer to the question is probably more important, um, ultimately, than just about anything else that's taught in this class. Okay? And the question is, if you're doing so well in the market, why are you teaching this? Okay? The answer is a little more complicated than, than simple um, as far as coming out. You should also understand that I always say a prayer on the way to the class number five that the words come out in the way that God wants them to to fit somebody that's in the room. It's always true, but different parts are emphasized at different times for whoever God has in the room that night and needs to hear it. But um, ultimately... It's a long story. It starts all the way back in Decatur, Illinois. I'm originally from Decatur, Illinois. Um, I mean, literally, if you drew an X through, through Illinois, you, you, the, the, X, the, the cross of that X would pretty much go right through Decatur, awful close to it. Um, and feel very blessed to have gone in, there to school in a public school system where all economic levels were represented. I went to school all my life with kids that were on food stamps and welfare and kids that were dropped off every day in a Rolls Royce at the front door. All economic levels. There is no academies where I come from, okay? You go to public school or you go to Catholic school, that's it. That's all there is. And feel very blessed about that, quite frankly, because um, unfortunately, and you guys don't have to agree with me, and I know some of you have your kids at the academies around here, you know, but... Uh, your kids don't learn to deal in the real world. You put them in an isolated world, not the real world. And you, they need to grow up in the real world because they've got to survive there. But I went through public school, was happy about that. I realized pretty early on that, you know, the, the, the wealthy kids, I mean, I, I, I'm, my family's lower middle class. I mean, really, um, both my parents work. I, I, never, I never in my lifetime remember my dad not having two jobs. 
ever. Um, but I realized very early that the wealthy kids really weren't better than the poor kids. They, yes, they, got, they lived in a nicer house. They had nicer cars. They got to go on vacations, had sporting equipment that we didn't necessarily have. But, you know, they weren't generally tough enough. Also understand, folks, some of you in this room have done quite well financially. But your kids are not better for it. They're worse for it. Because... Unfortunately, it is inherent in parents to, we, we make the statement, we don't want our kids to go through what we went through. But folks, yes, you do. Because what you went through made you who you are. And when you deprive your kids of that struggle, they're lesser for it, not better for it. You want your kids to struggle. One of the things that you want to do, truly, while your kids are at home, take them to where you started. Take them to the piece of crap house you used to live in. Take them to the dumpy apartment you used to have. Let them see that's where I began. Let them see where you began. So they understand it's okay to begin there. It's not okay to stay there. But it's perfectly okay to begin there. What a lot of kids do they leave home and they expect to start where their parents are. And you all know you didn't start there. But your kids think they're supposed to. Wrong perception. Your responsibility. Being a parent, your job, hate that word, your task, is to raise healthy, happy, well-adjusted, productive members of society. That is your task. It isn't to make their life easy. It is to re raise happy, healthy, well-adjusted, contributing members of society. Don't, don't let them miss the struggle. The struggle's good. The struggle's good for them. It was good for you. It might not have been pleasant, but it was good for you. I realized that the rich kids weren't tough enough in a lot of cases. They were pampered and we weren't. But I decided that I wanted to be wealthy while I was in grade school. And I went to the only people that I loved or cared about and asked the simple question, how do you become wealthy? I asked my parents, my grandparents, and my aunts and uncles. How you become wealthy? To a person, they each said, get an education, keep your nose clean, and work hard. You become wealthy. How many of you found out that that's not true? Okay. But I took them at their word. At 15 years old, I started working full time. Didn't quit school. My dad would have killed me. Okay. But I started working full-time, going to school full-time, wrestled at the state championship level, um, dated, or something has to give in that scenario, which means I just stopped sleeping for the most part. Um, since I was 
14, 15 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. I average four and a half, five hours sleep per night. Still do. You can sleep when you're dead. You'll catch up. Sleep's a waste of time. Not productive. Worked all the time. Had a pretty low self-esteem. My parents, this has nothing to do with my self-esteem. My parents got divorced when I was about 12, something like that. Remarried relatively quickly. Um, my, uh, lived with my mother and my stepfather and the combined family there. And my dad and my stepmother basically moved to North Carolina. And, uh, you know, but I, I, going through school, I'd always had a relatively low self-esteem. Didn't think I was very intelligent, quite frankly. Um, there was always, I was always, most everybody thinks everybody else is smarter than them, truly. I didn't know I was intelligent until I was a senior in high school. Took a psychology class, it was supposed to be very difficult, had very few um, quizzes or tests. Major tests is really going to be your grade. Because I worked, I worked 48 to 50 hours a week while I was going to high school. Frequently I'd get off at 5 o'clock or so in the morning. Had to be at school at 8, so I just laid my head on the desk. I wouldn't sleep, but, you know, I'm not participating in class discussions. You know, when the, when the teacher would call on me, I'd just look at him until he figured out I was probably stupid, and so he'd just call on somebody else to answer the question. I wouldn't even say I don't know. Took the test, and the teacher was a guidance counselor. Not mine, but a guidance counselor. And a few periods later, he called me out of my class to his office, and uh, he said, uh, I'd like you to explain the test to me. I don't know what you want to know. The test was a little difficult. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I finished the test. I appreciate you putting the extra credit questions on there. I completed those. I think I did okay on the test. He said, okay, um, how come you never participate in class discussion? I said, well, if I know the answer, I don't need to impress other people with that knowledge, okay? If I don't know the answer, you learn by listening, not by talking. So I just sat there and shut up until you call on somebody else, and they provide me with the right answer. He said, how about all the times you got your head on the desk? I said, well, I worked all night. I'm sleepy, so I got my head on the desk listening. He said, so you're not asleep? I said, no, if I was asleep, I'd be snoring. You know the difference, you know? He said, can you explain the other grades? I've pulled your transcripts. I know I'm not your guidance counselor, but I have access to this information. Could you explain these grades here? I said, what do you want to know? He said, how come you got an A in algebra here and you flunked algebra here? I said, that's easy. Good teacher, lousy teacher. It's pretty simple. He said, how about these other courses where you got good grades? I said, interested in the subject. He said, how about the ones with bad grades? I said, don't care about the subject. He said, well, I want you to know, you got a 100% on the test. I said, cool. He said, nobody else got an 80. He said, I didn't know you was that smart. I said, I didn't know they were that dumb. <laughs> he said, are you going to college? I said, absolutely not. He said, can you explain to me why? I said, well, First of all, why do you think I should go to college? He said, young man, I've been doing what I do for 30 years. He said, in 30 years, I've never seen a brighter mind than yours. I went, 
wow, I didn't know. I said, well, I'm not going to college. I said, did you? He said, well, yes. I said, did the other teachers here go to college? He said, yeah, everybody here has at least a four-year degree. I said, well, that'd be why I'm not going. He said, I don't understand. I said, it's pretty simple. I already make more money than you. One of us is stupid. You need to understand, folks, I've had this attitude long before the stock market ever got here. <laughs> he said, you make more money than me. I said, I have a pretty good idea how much you make. I said, but I already make as much or more than you. Now, one of us is stupid because I, I, I'm a senior in high school, and you have a four-year degree. That makes one of us stupid for wasting time. He said, so you work. I said, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week, week after week after week. Yeah. I said, that's why my head's on the desk. I'm not asleep. I just got off work. He said, you're not going to college. I said, no. He said, you should. It's the first time when he told me that I was smart. I mean, think about it. My parents and grandparents told me I was smart, but they're supposed to. They're obligated. You know? But it was the first time I, I heard it from somebody that had no interest in the statement. I was surprised. But I wasn't going to college and didn't. My dad and stepmother was here in North Carolina. They called May of 1978 and asked me what I was going to do when I got out of high school. I said, well, I'm going to kind of knock around the summer, work out what I can throughout the summer, and then I'm going uh, into the Marine Corps in the fall. And my dad, who, though he worked at Firestone, all of my conscious existence, um, prior to that, he was in the Marine Corps. And uh, he said, you're going into the Marine Corps? I said, yes. He said, why? I said, well, there are no better paying jobs than the one I currently have here in town, so I'm going into the Marine Corps. He said, you're going to the Marine Corps for a job. I said, yeah. He said, that'd be the wrong reason. He said, you have vacation available. I said, yeah. He said, you need to take your vacation as soon as you get out of school, get your butt down here to North Carolina and see if you can find a better job, better paying job here than you had there. And if not, you can always go back and get in the Marine Corps. I said, okay. And basically, I did that. Came down here and got a job. Um, how many of you are from the Rocky Mount area? Raise your hands. Very good. All right. Um, Y'all know uh, Harris Teeter over here? Yes? Okay. Well, it didn't used to be Harris Teeter. 25 years ago, it was Safeway. And I worked there. I was the produce manager there. 18 years old, 1978, I'm the produce manager. I'm making eh, $27,000 a year in 1978, you know? As a high school graduate, that's, that's knocking it pretty much into dust at 18 years old. You know, with overtime and bonuses, I can push it to 30 grand. But you see, my parents, grandparents, and aunts and uncles had told me to work hard. Do you understand? They would not let me work more than a little bit of overtime. I was on salary, and they, they let you work a little bit of overtime. Okay? So I got a job at Terrytown Mall at a sporting goods store, family-owned sporting goods store was there because I was trading time for money. Everybody understand? Working hard. 
I have time. So I'm, I'm exchanging time for money. I'm living at my parents' home, had car insurance, my only expense. Living the life of Riley, but was frustrated because I knew that as hard and as much as I was working, I could not afford to purchase a lot, let alone build a home in Candlewood, which at the time was the exclusive area. And I wanted to do that. That's frustrating. About that same time in North Carolina, they started requiring that you got, you had to have two forms of ID in order to cash a personal check. All I had was my North Carolina driver's license. I went to my dad and said, how do you get a second form of ID? He said, look, you got a management position, you're working another job, you have no debt, you have no expenses, you know, go to your local bank and fill out a Visa and a MasterCard application, you'll get those, that won't be a problem, and then you'll go from there, you'll have your forms of ID. I said, okay. I did that and got them, no problem. You know, I got to thinking, that was pretty simple. You know, there are other banks in town. I bet you can get more than one Visa card and MasterCard. So I did those same things at the other banks and got Visa and MasterCard from every bank in town. And then I realized, do you know there are other banks around the country? So I started getting applications and sending out those applications and getting those credit cards. And I wasn't abusing them. I'm just having fun with the fact that I can get these. This is so cool. Yeah. I used to sit there and literally take a calculator and add up how much I could be in debt if I wanted to. <laughs> Decided, you know, it's not a smart idea to buy with cash. It's late because I was carousing around, drinking a lot, driving around, having a good time. And so I got gas card, and since I'm not I'm not really specifically in th thrilled with any particular gas company. I got all of the gas cards. You never know where you'll be when you run out. So I had all of the gas cards. And, you know, just, just to try it on for size, I went ahead and got the American Express card, see if you can get that at 18 years old. You can. There was a point in time I was carrying over 48 credit cards used to carry two wallets. I loved it when they would go, how are you paying for this? And I'd go, take your pick. <laughs> oh, you know, I was the fastest credit card in the East. There you go. I was at the sporting goods store one day. I'm very frustrated because I'm realizing I can't afford to live in Candlewood. And those young men that worked there, they went down the mall. I knew they had hid their wallet under, they, they used to always hide their wallet underneath the counter in case they were robbed. Had no money with them. They'd go down the mall and come back with new clothes. I, truly, when I first started working there, because I'd never met the family before, when I first started working there, I thought they were stealing them. Finally, you know, when their dad wasn't there one day, I said, hey, how y'all get the clothes? They said, well, we have an account there. 
I said, what do you mean you have an account there? They said, it's like a credit card, except we don't really have a piece of plastic. We just go in, pick something up off the rack, and go put it on my account, walk out. I said, oh, that'd be cool. I said, I'd like to have an account there. I figured, you know, even though I couldn't live in Candlewood, I could certainly dress like I could. They said, oh, not a problem. If you go down there, fill out a credit card applica- or a credit application, put our name down as your only reference, they will call us before you get back, and we'll get you set up with an account there. I said, all right. So on break, I boogied right on down there and did that. They called before I got back, and they, oh, gushed all over me. Oh, man. On the way over there where he works there, part-time, we're going to keep him here as long as he'll stay with us. You know, lives at home, got no debt, terrific credit rating. So that clothing store gave me an unlimited credit rating at this time by 19 years old. So, and I started using it. Using turned into abusing very quickly. And oh, good golly. I mean, I, as you can tell, I read a lot. Anything I'm interested in, I read a lot. So there were books out at the time called The Power Look Book, which means if you dress right, they shower you with money just because you look good. You know? But, you know, Armani suit, $6,000 to put up fruits and vegetables. You would go to Safeway and you would swear I, I was going to a funeral. You know, I mean, what happened? You know, nothing. You know, look good. Learn what ecru is. You know, it's a color just for you guys that don't know, okay? It's not quite white. It's not quite eggshell. It's called ecru. Had shirts of every color, clothes, pants of every, $150, $200 slacks, $1,000 sport coat, $100 shirts, $120 to $180 silk ties. Oh, man, do I look good. I mean, I look good all the time. I mean, I look good. Came out of the grocery store one day, and I was driving a 71 white Firebird that I bought when I was 16 years old for $1,200 cash. And because I'm from Illinois, and we actually do have winter there, the salt and sand and cinders had caused a lot of body cancer. The rear corner panels, you could literally poke your fingers through it. It was nasty looking. It was, at that point in time, it was, it was originally ivory, but it was now two-toned. Ivory and several different colors of rust. Come out one day, about to get in the car, and the sun hit just right, and I could see a reflection of myself in the window. Man, I look good. And then it hit me. Oh, man, but I'm driving this. That's not acceptable. Went left, went straight to the car dealership. Now, you got to think. Think about the car dealer, you know. Some guy pulls up and is dressed to the nines. Standing there looking at the car. He comes up, he said, uh, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'll be driving this home. He said, okay. He said, uh, what are you going to put down? I said, uh, point in my car. He said, no, what are you going to put down? <laughs> I said, I don't want to put nothing down. And this was before the nothing down stuff, folks. He said, we don't do nothing down. I said, what's the minimum you take? He said, uh, 
500 bucks. I said, I've got that much. Take a check. Yeah. Now, I want, I want, I want to make sure I want a full tank of gas. He said, yes, sir. Please understand, that was the negotiations. I paid the sticker. I got a full tank of gas out of it, though. $500 down. Now I look good driving, and I look good standing. I'm happy. And I had been using my gas cards and using my credit cards a little bit, but I'd also been treating my parents horribly, coming and going like I want when I wasn't working, staying out till all hours of the night. I remember screaming at my mother one time because she hadn't ironed my favorite shirt. Came home from work one day. Wasn't scheduled to be at the sporting goods store. My dad was home, which was a little unusual because he, he worked basically 8 to 5 at Firestone at that time. I got home about a quarter after 4. He was already home. Started heading to change my clothes, and my dad said, ho, ho, ho. I said, yeah. He said, we're going out to dinner. Just you and me. Going to be like guys night out. Mom's not going. I said, cool. He said, I'm buying. He said, but you can pick wherever you want to go. I said, okay. Anywhere. He said, anywhere. That's okay. Remember J.R. Steakhouse? That's where we're going. I said, Dad, understand. I'm going to get dressed. You need to do the best you can. You will be going with me, and we'll be taking my car. He said, okay. We get out there. Oh, he said, order anything you want. He said, don't forget the appetizer. Oh, order the appetizer. Oh, man, was the food good. Yo, appetizer, salad, crispy lettuce. I mean, you, and you've got to understand, I know a lot about fruits and vegetables. Oh, it was good. Steak, man, you could have cut that steak with butter knife. Throughout the whole meal, my dad kept going, how's your meal? I said, Dad, this is terrific. Got dessert, ate the dessert. He said, how was everything? I said, Dad, this was the best meal I've ever eaten. He said, was it? I said, it was. He said, your, your whole world's fixing to change. It's going to change right now. He said, effective immediately, you owe me $25 a week rent. He said, effective immediately, your mama no longer does your laundry. He said, you can use our washer and dryer, our soap and, and that kind of stuff for laundry, but only if you do all the laundry in the house. Otherwise, you take your young butt to the laundromat. He said, effective immediately, your mama isn't cooking for you. You can't eat any of the food in my house. You can bring food into the house. You can cook it, eat it, but you have to clean up after yourself. Your mama's not cleaning up or cooking for you. He said, effective immediately. He said, if I come home, and I know your young butt has been home, and that trash can in the kitchen is full, and it hasn't been emptied. He said, when you return home, you need to understand, it will be emptied, but you'll be able to find its contents spread in your bed. I said, let me get this straight. You want me to pay rent. You want me to take out the trash. You want me to buy, cook, and clean up after my own meals. 
You want me to do my own laundry and do yours too? Shove it, old man! I'm moving out! He said, I'll help. 